It has been a very emotional week for me uh, as we carry the burden of our sister Barbara that's in intensive care and on life support in the hospital. Uh, thank you for your prayers and your support of the Dave Reitz family. Um, we also uh, are looking forward to a lot of changes in the days ahead here at Gateway Church. And one of the things that I realized as I was preparing this message and getting ready to preach it uh, is, is that this is the last message I'm preaching as the senior pastor of Gateway Church. It has been a blessing to serve you, and it has been a blessing to be with you all of these years. Uh, I'm going to be here for a while longer, another two and a half months, and we're looking forward to sharing that time with you. Uh, but know that um, what this is all about is Jesus and his gospel. Uh, the blessings that we share together are because we've accomplished the purposes of his kingdom. And we still have that work yet to do, whether we do it here together or whether we begin to scatter and go elsewhere. But God has placed some things before us that are, are great. Beginning next week, this church building is going to be filled with families and children. And we look forward to that and to see what God is going to do in the days that are yet ahead. Uh, during our Bible study times, uh, we have been taking a look this month at the, God, at the letter to Peter that Peter wrote to uh, those that were scattered because of the persecution of his day throughout Asia Minor. And we saw that at the beginning, he spoke to this troubled people that had been tried and tested in the fires of life. He said, we have everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. Uh, you may feel like you've lost your home, your family, your job, but when it comes to what God has provided for you, he's given you everything that you need. The second thing he told them in the first chapter is, is that there is a need to trust in God's word. His promises that have been made through the prophets in the Old Testament were proven through Jesus Christ and his life on this earth. And because of that, we need to trust in him during these times of trouble and times of transition. And then last week, we also saw that we need to acknowledge the problem of false teaching that in this world there is a web of ideas that will trap you and pull you away from the life that God wants you to live. And you need to keep your eyes on his word and your heart dedicated to him. And that realize that false teachers will try to pull you like a carnival barker from the path that you need to go. Uh, this week, uh, I'm thinking very much about the anniversary of when we started this walk down the path of the COVID virus and the pandemic and all the implications of the shutdowns and all the rest. It was a little over a year ago that we were told to not hold church services and uh, because we wanted to help do our part to help with the public health issues of the day, we stopped having services. And at the beginning we thought, well, we can do this for two weeks. And then two weeks became a month and then a month became two months and two months became three months and finally we were able to open again, but the pandemic went on and on and on and now a year later, we find ourselves ever more weary of it, but it has taught us something about time. I remember back at the beginning, we were all thinking, yeah, we can get through this, we can get through this, but as time wore on, we saying, boy, this is really getting old fast. And we realized that time marches on and we in our frailty look at it in little chunks and bits and pieces. And, and God has told us that with him, 
time isn't the same as it is with us. He has such a large view of the universe and such a large view of time that with him a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. And so we want to address an issue in this final chapter that was plaguing the people of Peter's day. And it should be a question that rises to your mind as well. One of the great promises of the New Testament scriptures and the continued fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament in the life of Jesus Christ is, is that he will come again. The purpose of that coming again is, is to put an end to all of the injustice that we see on this earth at this time and to establish a new heaven and a new earth. And so what we're going to find this morning is, is that there's a lot of things that we can think about that second coming, but Peter gives us the heart of it. And throughout the years, we've tried to put together our theology of the coming of Jesus. And for some people, it's been charts that have been pages long with all of the details totally laid out. But you can have all your charts and you can have all your plans and you can have all your ideas about the coming of Jesus Christ. And if you miss what Peter says in this particular chapter, 2 Peter chapter 3, you miss the whole point of his coming. And just as we learned about the issues of time from the pandemic, we need to learn about the issues of time when persecution or difficulty or trouble comes our way. Because the people in Peter's day believed in the coming of Jesus Christ. Peter had been there with the other disciples when Jesus ascended into heaven and the angels came and said, this Jesus whom you have seen ascending into heaven will come again. And you need to wait for that to happen. And Peter shared that message. Paul shared that message. John shared that message. And yet, here they were thinking that if only he could come back now because life has become so miserable, we would like him to come back today. But as we wait, know this, that the promise of his coming should move you to live a holy and godly life. Your, the promise of his coming should cause you to live in such a way. And this is the way Peter puts it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. And so we have the promise of His coming and I don't know how often you give thought to it. And I know that the battle that Kathy and I fight in our lives is, is that we desire His coming so much, but we appreciate His waiting because we know that His patience is the salvation of others, and we're going to talk about that as we move through the passage. But here's the bottom line, that since everything's going to be destroyed and everything's going to be restored, it should cause us to live a holy and a godly life. Realizing that time is going to end in this way, we want to be a part of what God is planning for eternity and not what part judgment is planning for those that have disobeyed him throughout their lives. We need to live holy and godly lives. And so the chapter is going to reveal some things about this waiting, about the process of living a godly life when the world around us seems to be going to hell in a handbasket. And so here's what we learn. The first thing is, is that scoffers will come. Um, my parents taught me early on that don't do a lot of scoffing. It is destructive to people and their morale. It's 
discouraging, but it's amazing how easy it is for kids to pick it up. They scoff on the playground, they make fun, they mock, they ridicule. And the scoffers come when they doubt anything that you say. And if you say that the Lord Jesus is coming again and they begin to say, well, he hasn't come for 2,000 years, what makes you think he's going to come now? And in Peter's day, the scoffers were saying to those who were being persecuted, and some of them had given up their very lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ, they said, you think he's coming, but he's not coming. Where is he? Uh, I coached Little League. I've coached soccer. I've coached basketball with young kids. And uh, we teach them to encourage one another and to avoid the trash talk that destroys people's hearts and lives. But isn't it amazing how fast it comes? Some of the things that I remember about Little League and some of the things that I remember about these things is all the stuff that tears people down. We want a pitcher, not a glass of water. Ain't no batter, ain't no batter, ain't no batter. And uh, we just say those things that tear people down, and it's so easy, and it's so easy to scoff and ridicule. But scoffers will come if you claim that Jesus is coming again. We didn't see his first coming. We're not going to see his second. But listen to this. Beginning with verse 3 of 2 Peter chapter 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. For ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And so beware of the scoffers. Don't let them eat away at you. Don't let them mock you. And we talked last week about the false teachers and those that have haughty spirits and arrogant eyes and the rolling of the eyes in the discussion, wondering why you just can't believe what they believe and you can't understand what they understand. And scoffers will come along and it's in a mocking way that they'll say, you are a fool for believing the things that you believe. You're a fool for believing that Jesus Christ would ever come again. Scoffers will arise, and there's scoffers about us in every place. Scoffers in education, scoffers in the world, scoffers in Hollywood. Scoffers telling us that let's just follow our own evil desires because we don't have to worry about God setting anything right at the end of time. He doesn't exist. And your belief in a God that will one day judge mankind is so foolish and so wrong. Don't let the scoffers deter you. The second thing that we find in this passage is, is that God's time is not our time. And this is what I was explaining back at the beginning, that we've learned a lot about time from the COVID pandemic as it wears on and on and on. And we realize that time just doesn't seem the same to us right now as it did before. God's time is not our time. Listen to this beautiful passage of Scripture. In verse 8, it says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Meaning, while you wait for Jesus to come again and you're trying to figure out what is it that the Lord's trying to do. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And this lays bare the motivation of God for his waiting. His motivation is, is that he's not finished with the work of salvation in the lives of men. And his patience in not judging the earth now, even though they deserve it now, is because he wants grace to be extended to another generation. And what an awesome thing to know about the coming of Jesus Christ. And if you wonder why he hasn't come, it's because there's others that, have, that will be coming to faith in Jesus Christ. 
And he's asked us to be a part of that process. That's why Peter and the other apostles and the believers of his day, they labored to let that gospel be made known to others. And so, if you wonder about the Lord's slowness, it's all about the Lord's patience. And we get in a hurry. And so when COVID came on the scene, I realized that I was doing so much in a hurry. And it was good at the beginning to just take a break for a little bit. It was a little bit of a slowdown, and most of us enjoyed it that time. But then, as time wore on, we wanted to get back to our fast pace, and everything had to be done in a hurry. But the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, and you need to understand that God's perspective of time is not like that of finite man. Uh, we are born, we live for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years if we're blessed, and then, then we die. And the Bible's very blunt about some of its commentary on this, saying that, and then the wind blows over your gravesite, and it's like it, nobody remembers you anymore. Uh, I love the study of the genealogy of my family, but it's amazing how difficult it is to find out information about anybody. Um, even with all the records that we keep and all the technology that we have, anybody who's not alive that you can't sit down and talk with them and ask them, they're gone and far gone. But God has transcended all of these generations. He's been there before time began and he's going to be here after time ends. And he's all seen it all and he's been through it all. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness, but he's patient with you. And his time is not our time. So when you're waiting on God for anything, you just need to know this, that God works all things together for good for those that are called according to his purpose. And that's why He's waiting to do what he does because he has something different in store, something better in store for those that have been called according to his purpose. And though we grieve the loss of those people that we love, if they put their faith in Jesus Christ, they go home in glory to be with our God. And what a privilege it is to go and join them one day. And what a joy it will be to fellowship with them through eternity. And then the third thing that we find in this passage of Scripture is, is that God realizes that this fallen earth is full of trouble and full of the problems that are part of a fallen world. And so we need to look for a new heaven and a new earth. It doesn't matter if it's John or if it's Peter or if it's Paul. They all spoke of the fact that God is going to restore this creation to something far better than we could ever imagine when we look around us. The storms that destroy our homes and our lives the crime that injures us and hurts us and takes what is ours, the, the indignation that is placed upon people just because of the ugliness of people's hearts, the cultural clashes, the generational clashes, the political clashes, all of it needs to be made new. And God said that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so in verse 13, Peter says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. And then John, when he's expanding on this in the Revelation, he says it's going to be a place where there'll be no more crying, no more tears, no more mourning, no more pain. All those things that we know and associate with life, uh, it's not to be seen anymore in eternity. And all the things that tear at the fabric of who we are, are going to be gone, and it will be the home of righteousness. 
And so I've told you that the promise of his coming is supposed to move you to a holy and to a godly life. God wants you to begin to taste that righteousness here and now and not wait for it in eternity. He doesn't want you to waste the time that he's given you to live on this earth, but he wants you to live in such a way that you can take hold of it now. But the beautiful thing is, is there's going to come a time when we don't have to fight so hard to accomplish it, but he's going to be gifting it to us for eternity in heaven, the home of righteousness. And so what are we supposed to do? The scoffers are coming saying, where is this coming of Jesus? And Peter's saying, you just need to wait because God's time is not our time and he will be making a new heaven and a new earth. So what do you do in the meantime? And we find that what Peter says is, is take advantage of it and make every effort to live a life that will be pleasing to God. And so in verse 14, he says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, this new heaven and this new earth, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you, with the wisdom that God gave him. And so it is we're to make every effort. Now, I don't know about you, but there are very few things that cause me to make every possible effort. And uh, very often I'll go to the doctor and I'll have my annual physical and the doctor will say, you've got to change this in your diet, you've got to do this with exercise. And when I get home, I say, yeah, 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 and we just don't do it. And when you look at your own life, you know that it's hard to do just about anything that you don't really feel motivated to do. But if you like doing something, you'll, if you're a Yankees fan, you'll go out of your way to watch a Yankees game. And if you like a certain TV show, you'll go out of your way to watch that TV show and you'll readjust your schedule and you'll move things around. But we need to realize that if we are convinced that Jesus is coming again and his home is going to be a home of righteousness and God wants us to taste it now, are we going to make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him? Uh, this latter part of this thing is one that I seek with all of my heart. Years ago, I was reading through the shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23 in the Old Testament. And for the first time, I realized I was reading this, he restores my soul. And as I was reflecting upon that, I realized that there's a lot of times my soul doesn't feel restored. It feels like it's in trouble and it's in turmoil. And as a pastor, I would go into homes where people had lost loved ones. I would go into homes where people were sick. I would go into homes where abuse had taken place. I'd go into homes where all kinds of things. And I would leave with my stomach just churning, not having a lot of answers for them. And what I wanted more than anything else was peace for my life and peace for them. Where do you find it? And I found that you need to make some effort in seeking out the God that offers this peace. I love the way that Paul put it in Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so I began to realize that I need to work on my prayer life. I need to go to God with a heart of thanksgiving. And be honest with yourselves, it's amazing how easy it is to go to God with a grocery list of prayers. But it takes some thought and it takes some effort to just stop before you say anything and say, God, I give you thanks for the following things. 
to interject into your prayers thanksgiving, just as Paul has asked us to do. But we need to make every effort to make this life what it is to be at peace with our God and to be found spotless and to be found blameless. Um, our politicians are good at self-righteous um, exposition of their position. But then they turn around and they're tripped up by the press or they're tripped up by those around them or by the things that they said and things that they've done. Bear in mind that God's waiting. It means salvation, meaning it means deliverance from this broken world around us. For you and for others that will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's an opportunity for you to experience the peace of God in your life as you seek to be spotless and blameless before Him. Make every effort to do it. And you need to determine today that you're going to make an effort to do something. And it might be that it's, I'm going to start reading the Word of God each day. And I'm going to ask a question when I'm finished. God, what do you want me to do with what I just read? It might be that you need to say, God, I'm going to pray to you each day. I'm going to take some time to give thanks. I'm going to take some time to seek your face. And God, I'm going to change my behavior. There's some things that I need to just rip out of my life because they're sinful and they're wrong and they lead to the brokenness that I experience. We need to make every effort. Just like an athlete makes the effort to train, we need to make the effort to be spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. And then finally, Peter says, because of this coming and because of the Lord's waiting and we have this promise that's before us, we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. And so in these final verses of his letter, he says, Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. If you know that Jesus is coming again, you have two choices. One, you can guard your heart against all those that are telling you to abandon it. You can guard your heart about everyone that's telling you that there's a different way or a better way or a way that'll be a lot more fun and a way that's full of a lot more lust and full of a lot more joy and pleasure and all of that. Or you can follow the way of truth. We need to guard our hearts so that we're not carried away by the error of lawless men. But we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, when people come to me and they say, why do you stick it out as a believer of Jesus Christ with all these rules and all these laws and all these things he's asked you to do? And it's all about the grace that was shown to us by Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so God gave this gift of grace to me. And so I want to turn around and I want to seek him with all of my heart. I was 17 years old when my eyes were first opened to this truth. And I grabbed a hold of it with all of my life that I could be forgiven for the things that I had done. And I wanted to grow in that grace. And as the years went on and I saw that I still needed that grace because I was still sinning against my God, I wanted to grow in it, and I wanted to grow in my knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so if you're looking for somebody to follow, the writer of Hebrews put it this way in Hebrews chapter 12. If you want to run the race with endurance, you fix your eyes on Jesus, 
the author and perfecter of faith. And we need to grow in our knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you're trying to put perspective on how you do things in life, look at Jesus who gave up everything so that he could save you and save me. He was willing to sacrifice life with all of its joys, family, and place himself nailed in humiliation on that cross so that we would know grace and the love of our God. And so it is. We need to grow in that grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter says that you've been given this time. It's a gift born of the patience of God. And so what will you do with it? Guard your heart that you won't be carried away by the error of lawless men and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there are very few of us in this room today that don't believe in the promise of his coming. But is it moving you to live a holy and godly life? Understand that scoffers will try to, try to pull you away from all of this, ridicule you and mock you into embarrassment to run from the Christian faith. But God's time is not our time, and he's giving this time to us for a reason. It's his patience so that others might know the joy of righteousness here and now in this life and on this earth. But a new heaven and a new earth is coming. And so because of that promise, will you make every effort to live your life in such a way that you can know holiness and godliness and peace? And will you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord? What a privilege. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, I thank you for this scripture. And Lord, may we own the truth of your coming. May we wait patiently for it. If it's tomorrow, hallelujah. If it's 10 years from now, hallelujah. Thank you for giving others an opportunity to come. And I pray, Father, that we would be about your business, the king's business, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Savior so that we might live in such a way that we taste the joy of holiness, the joy of being spotless, the joy of having peace with you. Thank you for securing this peace through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that we would seek it with all of our hearts, that we would make every effort until we've tasted of it and known it. We thank you, O oh God, for all that you have done for us. May your joy be our portion this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.